0: Welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor Dana begins our series for Advent called The Stories of Christmas. Let's listen. This morning, we are starting a new sermon series called The Stories of Christmas. Throughout the sermon series, we'll look at the stories that are a deep part of our Christian faith the stories that are deeply entrenched in our heritage. We'll explore the stories that talk about Christ's birth, the stories that talk about the importance of Christ's existence in this world. Throughout Scripture, there are so many stories. And it's these stories that have shaped us into a body of believers. It's these stories that have inspired what we believe, and how we practice our faith. In fact, the the very essence of Advent, the way we celebrate this, it's deeply embedded in our Christian faith. This has been passed down to us for generations. The word Advent is derived from the Latin word adventus, meaning coming. We understand Advent to be a time of anticipation and expectation as we wait for the birth of Christ. The practice of observing Advent began somewhere between the 4th and 5th centuries. Originally, this time was used for early Christians. They would spend this season fasting and praying The first mention of Advent occurred in 300 A.D. when all of these church leaders got together. It was called the Council of Sargosa. It gradually developed into an entire season that stretched the month of December, lasting four Sundays, as people anticipated the coming of Christ's birth. The lighting of the Advent wreath that didn't become part of our Christian tradition until much later. The Advent wreath is believed to have been developed in Scandinavia during the Middle Ages. When the Advent wreath was first developed, people in Scandinavia they would take the wreaths that they had around their home and they would place candles all in them. They would place twenty red candles and then four large white candles and they were to signify that the light was a hope, the hope that the dark winter would end and that spring would come again. This was further developed in 1839 when a Lutheran minister who worked for a children's orphanage in Germany created a wreath out of the wheel of a cart. He would place the candles on this wheel, and it was his way of teaching the kids about Advent and anticipating the birth of Christ. This tradition and this practice, it eventually gained popularity and made its way to America in the 19th century. The German immigrants brought it over for us. So there's this long, deep history that's embedded in how we celebrate Advent. There are stories and practices that have been handed down to us. It's these stories that give life and shape what we believe and how we practice our traditions. And at this point, it would be odd to walk into a church during the month of December and to not hear about Advent. It would seem uncustomary, maybe almost heretical, if we didn't start our worship service by lighting our Advent wreath in December. These are the stories of Christmas. These are the stories and traditions that have become part of who we are how we practice our faith. And this is what our sermon series is all about. It's a series that will help us to look at these stories more closely, to think about where these stories came from, why are they important, and how do they still speak to us present day. So as we kick off this sermon series, I wanted us to take a closer look at some of the other parts of the Advent season. I wanted us to take a closer look at the words and the phrases that we hear throughout Advent. Advent, we hear a lot of buzzwords during this season. Buzzwords like waiting, anticipating, preparing, hoping. And we hear Advent phrases like expectantly watching for the arrival of Christ or prepare the way of the Lord. These are all phrases that we hear in Advent. These are words and phrases that, in the beginning, they probably had a lot of meaning and significance. But over the years, as they've been passed down to us, they've lost their significance. We've lost touch with the stories behind them. So we have an opportunity to uncover those meanings and those important parts a little bit more looking at the stories behind these phrases and words. And so let us start with the phrase, prepare the way of the Lord. Let us explore what this phrase means, the story behind it, and how it speaks to us present day. Let us start by turning to the prophet Isaiah. This is the first place that we see this phrase used. We first see this phrase used in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. In those verses, the prophet declares a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, and rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In these verses of Isaiah, we find a passage that was written for and about a group of people who were under great distress. Jerusalem had just been conquered and destroyed by the Babylonian empire. The leaders and a significant portion of their population had been marched off to live in exile in Babylon. Most of them were living as captives along the Euphrates river. These were extremely difficult times for the people of Judah. Their temple had been destroyed. They had been removed from their homes, thrown off of their land, taken from friends and family. Everything that they once knew or perceived as normal had been turned upside down. They were a defeated group of people who possessed little to no hope or certainty Of the future and in that state of despair and distress God spoke to them God met them in that hopeless state as they lived as captives in Babylon and by way of Isaiah God presented them with a word of comfort a word of comfort and hope as he foretold of their future as he foretold of their return to their homeland In verse 3 and 4, Isaiah describes their return and the route that the Jews were to take to return home. More precisely, Isaiah tells them the way that the Lord had prepared for them. And the way that the Lord had prepared for them was one in which there was a straight path directly through the desert wilderness. A path where every valley would be filled in, where every mountain would be lowered, where there would be nothing but smooth stable ground. You see, for the Jews living as exiles in Babylon, after they were freed from exile, the most direct route from Babylon to their homeland in Judah would have been to go directly through the Syrian desert. However, it's highly unlikely that they would have chosen that route because it would have been a waterless journey. In order to survive, they would have needed to follow the water sources. So they would have traveled all the way up to northern Syria, and then they would have had to travel back down south to Jerusalem. They would have followed the Euphrates River and the Jordan River. That would have ensured that they had enough water to make this journey safely. However, that would have added many, many more miles to their journey So when Isaiah shows up saying, prepare the way of the Lord, for every valley will be filled in, every mountain will be made low, essentially what he was saying was that instead of having to make that long journey up the Euphrates River, down the Jordan River, that you could travel through the desert. Isaiah was telling them that God was promising to forge a new and direct route for them, a route that would go through the desert And God promised that even though it was a scary, waterless journey, that they would have exactly what they needed to make that trek through the waterless desert. So as we contemplate what the Advent season means to us, as we explore and examine what this phrase, prepare the way of the Lord, means, then it speaks a word of hope and a word of comfort to each of us it's telling us that whenever we might find ourselves living as modern day exiles with little to no hope or certainty of the future whenever everything we have once known or perceived as normal feels turned upside down it tells us that god will meet us in those places that god will meet us in those pits of despair and in the darkness And that he will prepare a way forward for us. That God will prepare a way home for us again. God always has a plan to prepare a a path for us. And while at times the path before us might seem challenging, daunting, dangerous even, God assures us that we will have exactly what we need to make that trek safely through the wilderness. Throughout our lives, there are all sorts of challenges that will arise. There's heartaches that we will encounter, heartaches that will cause us deep distress and despair, leaving us with little hope. There are deaths that we will face, personal illnesses, medical diagnoses, financial uncertainties. There are betrayals that we will face, all of which will leave us with heartache and strife and in the midst of these hardships that's what causes us to live as modern day exiles in our hearts and in our minds living as modern day exiles where darkness lurks and despair has taken over you all know where these places of exile have been before for you There's a very well-known and highly acclaimed Episcopal priest. She's also a very gifted author, and she's written on this topic. In one of her most recent books, it's called Learning to Walk in the Dark. And she writes about the necessity of these exilic experiences, this necessity of needing to live in exile at certain times in your life. She writes about how we are not to fear those places, We're not to fear the dark or to try and run from it or avoid it, but rather we are to sit with it and embrace it. She concludes that the most life-altering, revelatory thing we can do in our lives is to learn to make the journey through the darkness, through those places of exile. Just to share one quote with you, she writes, how do we develop the courage to walk in the dark if we are never asked to practice. She says there are things I have learned in the dark which I never could have learned in the light, things that have saved my life over and over again. She says, so there is really only one logical conclusion. I need darkness as much as I need light. So as we take this Advent phrase, prepare the way of the Lord, and we apply it to our present-day lives, it means that we are to sit in those areas of exile, those areas where it is dark, where it is desolate, where it is scary, and we learn to walk in those places. We learn to walk through the darkness. That is to say that we learn to trust that God will meet us in those places, that God will show up there and fill every valley, and lower every mountain, that God will prepare a path forward for us. A path forward where there is smooth, stable walking ground through the desert wilderness so that we can return home safely. And as Barbara Brown Taylor notes, there are things that we learn in these dark places which we never could have learned in the light. In the darkness, there is self-discovery. In the darkness, there's revelation. Through the dark wilderness trek, we gain a deeper awareness of who God is and how God moves and works in our lives. And once you've traveled through the darkness, learning to walk through it, once you've witnessed God prepare a path for you, then that is what allows you to help prepare the way for other people. And that's the second part of this phrase that I want us to focus on this morning, how we can prepare a path for others. If we back up and we look at the beginning of chapter 40 in Isaiah, we hear an admonishment. At the beginning of chapter 40 in Isaiah, God commands his people to comfort one another. Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 and 2 it says comfort comfort my people says your god speak tenderly to jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for this chapter begins with an insistent double imperative from god commanding commanding isaiah to comfort his people It was a command for Isaiah to take those words of hope and comfort to the people of Judah who were living in exile. Present day, it's a command for each of us to take his words of comfort to his people, to bring words of hope to those who are living as modern-day exiles, those who are facing the calamities of life, to those who have found themselves in the deep pits of despair, And we are to do that because once we ourselves have sat in these lowly, dark places, once we have emerged from those pits, then it equips us with the ability to help other people who find themselves in similar situations. It equips us with the ability to help prepare the way forward for others to share the wisdom and the insight that we gained from the darkness, from those experiences of tragedy, and to offer hope, words of encouragement, so that others can have endurance for their journey forward. And we see this occur from time to time. We hear about the people who face the calamities of life, go through tragic events, And once they've emerged from that darkness, once they've grieved those situations, they go on to help other people who face the exact same tragedy. MAD is an organization um, that comes to mind. MAD is an acronym which stands for Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. It's the nation's largest nonprofit agency that works to bring awareness for those who are drinking underage and to bring awareness for drunk driving. The person that started this agency was a mother who lost her daughter to a drunk driver. And after she grieved that loss, and as she worked through that tragic event, she now helps other people who face those same hardships. The domestic violence shelters, oftentimes the majority of the people who are working in those places, they themselves have faced domestic abuse and violence. Substance abuse facilities, treatment facilities, 79% of the people that work in substance abuse or halfway houses, they themselves have worked through their addiction and are now in recovery. It's all of these stories and instances where people faced hardships in their lives and they worked through it. They learned to walk through those dark times and now they can help other people who face the same things. There are many trials in life that we will all face. Things that will break us, things that will wear us down. But in the midst of it all, God will meet us in those places. God will work to fill every valley, to lower every mountain, and to give us stable ground to put our feet on. In response, God calls us to comfort his people to take what we have learned from walking in the darkness and to comfort those who need it most. Years back, I heard a funny story about a young woman that helps to illustrate this point a little bit and to bring levity to our sermon this morning. Uh, This story is about a young woman who found herself driving in a snowstorm. So she's driving in this snowstorm and she can't really drive any further. And so she decides to pull over and she's starting to panic because she doesn't know how she's gonna get home and she can't go any further. And so she pulls over and she hears her father's voice. She hears her father saying, if you ever find yourself stuck in a snowstorm, just pull over and wait for the snowplow to come. Wait for the snow plow, and when the plow comes, you can pull out behind it and it'll take you home. Just follow it all the way home. And so she does that. She's sitting there waiting, snowplow comes, and she pulls in right behind it. And so she's following the snowplow, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 25 minutes. So the snowplow pulls over, the driver gets out and comes over to her car. And he says, ma'am, can you please tell me what you are doing? You've been following me for 25 minutes. And so she told him. She said, well, my father said if I ever was stuck in a snowstorm, I should follow the snowplow and it would take me back home safely. And he said, well, ma'am, I just finished up Walmart's parking lot. I'm getting ready to head over to Best Buy. I'm going to plow that one. You can follow me over there. There are times in our lives when we will find ourselves needing God to prepare a path for us. And there are times in our lives when we will need to help prepare the way for others. There are times in our lives when we will follow the snowplow, and there's times in our lives when we will be the snowplow. We all have our own stories and experiences of heartache and strife. We all have our own ways in which we have felt God meet us in those places and prepare a way through it. And it's through those experiences that we learned to walk in the darkness. What we are to do then is to take those life experiences, the wisdom we gained from learning to walk in the dark, and we're to comfort God's people. This Advent season, may we have a renewed sense of what these stories of Christmas mean. May we have a renewed understanding of why we observe certain Advent or Christmas traditions. And on this Sunday, may we have a deeper understanding of what it means to prepare the way of the Lord and what it calls us to do. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church podcast. Have a great week.